You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. We're in the last leg of the UK tour here for Ring of Honor. Brian Danielson wrestled twice and more. This is pure a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast. Once again, welcome to Pure, a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. I'm Sean Taggart. I am going to be guiding you through, once again, another crazy and wild show that was Ring of Honor in the early goings. We are in 2006 this time around. I know a lot of people thought when I was going to be talking about this UK tour in 2006, I would have just jumped right on into it and talked about uh, Unified. But that's a little bit more of a special episode that I'm going to give a lot of time and attention to uh, in the very near future, actually, just because I would like to talk about this match. It's probably one of my favorite matches in Ring of Honor history. Once again, it's part of the Unified show, and I am talking about Brian Danielson here. This match, while great, and, you know, I could have, you know, jumped the gun and talked about uh, that show right off the bat. I figured we would go to the ni- second night here and we would talk about Anarchy in the UK. No, not the Sex Pistol song. Good song. But we are going to be talking a little bit about the show that happened the very next night at the Broxbourne Civic Hall. Um, and we are going to be talking about that show in depth today. Uh, on commentary for that show was Dave Prezak and Jarrett David. Unfortunately, Lenny Leonard wasn't on this show. Uh, for those who missed it, uh, the previous Sunday... There was the uh, Terminus event out of Atlanta, Georgia, ran by Baron Black and John Gresham. And I think that was a, a good, you know, welcome back and call back to this era of Ring of Honor. One of the things that we'll be talking about as we go on and we reach the end of the show, we'll talk about if this show would hold up today. Would I want to pay the X amount of dollars it was to either stream this somewhere now, buy the DVD, or actually go to this event live if I could attend? So we're going to talk a little bit about there, Um, but let's get right into the show. The show kicks off with Generation Next coming out, Um, Austin Aries and Roderick Strong, the current Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. Unfortunately, they were supposed to defend their titles again tonight. That won't happen as Austin Aries has a cracked rib and he's unable to compete. So we won't be seeing that. Um, So that leaves Roddy Strong without a match. And you know what? Here comes Brian Danielson, your current Ring of Honor World Champion, who, you know, is tired of facing Roderick Strong, but he'll do it just so he can get a match in and just show how easy it is and how quick it is to beat him. So we have our main event here set up tonight. Um, and honestly, we don't go any further. We jump right into the opening match, which is Goshiyazaki and uh, BJ Whitmer. Goshiyazaki, very young, up and coming. Uh, wrestler in the Noah ranks, as we all know, what he's turned out to be a very good, strong, powerful wrestler here. But this is him starting out. This is him going through the excursion, so to speak, where he would be traveling to Ring of Honor a lot in his early days um, as a young boy, trying to really figure out what his uh, goal and his technique was going to be in the coming future. And this is a really good test against a BJ Whitmer. BJ, as we know, was part of that Ring of Honor CZW feud. We all know that he broke his neck against uh, 
Necro Butcher, but he uh, he was a very tough customer in that whole feud. Um, really stood out and really took it on himself to just prove that he was going to be a prime player for Ring of Honor. Obviously, as we know, he spent most of his later career on in Ring of Honor before now being a behind-the-scenes uh, producer, talent, uh, scout for AEW. But it's also very nice to see Go Shiozaki here. Shiozaki, as you can tell, very new to the sport of professional wrestling, hasn't been in around the ring for a very long time. So it shows here, and it shows that like, sometimes his inexperience comes out here, but I really do like what I see from Shiozaki here. I think he adds a lot um, to the Ring of Honor roster. It's a very deep roster to begin with. But I feel as if if we're looking at what Ring of Honor brings and what Ring of Honor can do, I, I really feel this is a prime example of why these guys are one of the better uh, wrestlers out there um, and the, one of the better promotions at this time frame during the independent scene. Uh, Go Shiozaki easily defeats Whitmer. Uh, it was a good back-and-forth match. Um, it went 15 minutes, but, I mean, it was a really good test for Shiozaki, and I think he passed with flying colors here. You know, someone like him really needed these wins uh, to really establish himself, and as he was going on in his Ring of Honor career, it would take a little bit of a turn as um, he would then align himself with uh, Sweet and Sour Ink, Larry Sweeney, and the guys. But, I mean, if you think about it, he was a really good get for Ring of Honor um, as he was starting out and as he was trying to build his career. I really feel like you know, Shiozaki, some of these younger Japanese wrestlers that started and made their excursion to Ring of Honor in this time frame, um, we saw Morishima do the same. Uh, we did see countless times Marufuji and uh, Kenta. Um, we saw a lot of the Dragon Gate roster, and I can't wait to talk about some of these Dragon Gate matches that we see here in Ring of Honor during this time period, because do they get crazy than ever? And I really feel, you know, this is a prime example of what made Ring of Honor good in the early going. There was not just one promotion that they were tied down to in Japan. They were able to bring in all these different guys and really showcase their strengths. Um, we go backstage where uh, Prince Nana and the Crown Jewel of the Embassy talk about how their night last night didn't go to plan, but this night will be a lot different. They're facing Doug Williams, and then they promise a strong match between the two of them but with none other than jimmy rave coming out on top we go back to the ring and we see spud yeah um rockstar spud here comes out uh very young very new to the business but you know once again showcasing some of the uk talent here in this show and we also get to see the two legends jody fleisch and johnny storm this is a nice uh, uk triple threat this is a nice way to showcase this talent um, what better way to have this talent come out here but um, to really just you know focus on certain things and really showcase what the UK style is about. Um, this was a very good uh, you know match here. Just really pointed out the differences in styles between what we would see in Ring of Honor. And yeah, sure, we would see some of this style come into play with a guy like Brian Danielson. We would see this, this style come into play with Colt Cabana, especially since he did spend a lot of time in the UK. I did a lot of tours over there. We would see that style come into play. But it was nice to get that showcase itself. Um, Johnny Storm picks up the win in this uh, triple threat match. And after the match, they all celebrate. But out come the Kings of Wrestling and Chad Collier who want some time 
to really wreck stuff in the ring. We see these two really focus on Spud, uh, meaning uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero, while Chad Collier is really just there to watch the two of them wreck stuff. Um, we really see here the Kings of Wrestling as this big heel team in uh, Ring of Honor. Obviously, as we know, Claudio and Chris Hero are both part of the CZW team during the CZW feud. So they're going to be teaming up here and be more of the heel because they were the antagonists during this whole thing. Um, and Collier, as we found out on commentary from Dave Prezak, um, was released by Ring of Honor management back in April, May. But... Uh, they, meaning the Kings of Wrestling, see something in him and they brought them under his wing to really teach him the ins and outs of the wrestling ring. Outcome, none other than Robbie Bookside, another hero, another legend of the UK wrestling scene. And uh, Nigel McGuinness, they make the save and they chase out the Kings of Wrestling and Chad Collier. Um, Nigel puts over Robbie Brookside as one of the foundations of the UK wrestling scene, which at the time and still to this day is very true. Without Robbie Brookside, you probably wouldn't get a lot of what you see in the UK scene, which really only is now uh, RevPro and the occasional indie that runs out of there um, every now and then. Um, none of the style and basis is seen in some of the other companies out in the UK. I mean, there's Rise, there's uh, TNT, which is more deathmatch heavy. You really see it in uh, NXT UK, but that's because Brookside is involved in that side of things. But other than that, I mean, the UK scene was torched a lot, um, as we all know. So it's nice to see Brookside here uh, still wrestling and also at the same time here still being able to uh, showcase what he can do. But at the same time, too, we get Nigel McGuinness putting over the whole scene in general. We see Nigel McGuinness, you know, talk about his loss, but, you know, he's ready to move on and move forward. But uh, not so fast. The Kings of Wrestling are going to come back in the ring, and they want to take on Nigel and Robbie Brookside, Ch Chad Collier, because in there, too. So it's a three-on-two attack until Colt Cabana, at this time just a classic Colt, not Boom Boom just yet, comes out and makes a save for Brookside and also for Nigel. So this turns into a six-man tag team match. This is more so for the hero's welcome. Obviously, as we know, this is about Brookside, but at the same time, this is about Nigel finding his redemption, coming back and starting over from scratch. Tough loss the night before against Brian Danielson. Lost his uh, pure title. is now unified with the Ring of Honor world title. So he loses that, but it really was a good showcase and a fun little tag match here. Everyone got their spots in. Everyone got to showcase what they can do. We did see a lot of fun action, and obviously we could see the influence of the UK style out of everyone in this match, even Chris Hero, who is akin to that style, and he loves that style of wrestling, so you get to see that here. You get to see him work with Robbie Brooks and Nigel McGuinness. Um, at this time still, you know, with Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli, they were really not much more than just a act on the roster. They would come in, they would have their matches, but they weren't in the upper echelon of tag teams yet in Ring of Honor. They were just making their names for themselves and really just building themselves as future competitors to the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. You would see here a lot of back and forth action, um, but at the end of the day, the hometown heroes and Colt Cabana pick up a big win here. Um, and we do see a lot of uh, back and forth, though, at the end of the match with uh, Nigel and everyone just really celebrating and having a little good time in the ring, which is nice to see. Once again, you're listening to Pure, a 
Ring of Honor Retrospective Podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. Make sure you listen to Your Dose of Death, where Lauren brings you into the insides and outs of deathmatch wrestling around the globe, not only in the U.S., but it's also found in the U.K., Japan, England, and even Australia. Make sure you tune in to Your Dose of Death here on the Count Out Podcast Network. So we're back into the show here a little bit, and we're going directly into another promo here where we see both Davey Richards and Matt Seidel, they have a big tag team match here against the Briscoes. They're stepping in uh, the Briscoes, who seemingly were going to be having a night off or in a different match altogether. We really don't know, but um, it won't be Generation X facing Seidel and Davey Richards. Davey Richards is a young and upcoming uh, wrestler here in Ring of Honor. He really got some time in this uh, company to really build out. He was uh, associated a lot in his early days with Kenta. We see here um, him getting uh, the rub from Matt Seidel, who's ready to take on none other than, uh, like I said, um, the Briscoes here tonight. It's going to be a tough test for them. It's going to be a tough test for a lot of the people in this match because, you know, Briscoe's coming off a war against Generation X the night before. Um, And then also just for the sheer fact that this is a big moment in both Davey Richards and Matt Seidel's young Ring of Honor career. And they want to make sure that they're going to be ready for it. So we hear, we see here um, a little bit of a talking point. They're talking about the next time when they're going to be coming into uh, the UK, which is March 2nd for the fifth year festival, their fifth year anniversary. And out comes uh, Ring of Honor champion again, Brian Danielson running down the crowd, but also at the same time hearing that Sua wants a match, but will only face him for the Ring of Honor title. That's not a problem. Come out here, face me like a man. Let's go. Let's have this match. Sua does come out here, and they brawl outside of the ring. For whatever reason, Brian's uh, top of the head, he busts open really quick. But even before the bell rings, um, finally, Sua throws Brian back in the ring, and we do get our uh, first of two Ring of Honor title matches and our first of two Brian Danielson matches, which this isn't anything out of the norm for Brian. If they were in a binder and they were in a tough spot, Brian usually would wrestle twice a night um, during this time frame, during his time as champion. And even prior to that, he would wrestle multiple times if asked. Um, So this is a good way to just showcase the different styles that he does have here. And this is one way to also show, you know, how Brian is versatile and has many different ways to win. Brian um, is really outweighed in this match and he's out muscled in this match. So he's really on the defensive, trying to figure out ways to win with other moves in his moveset, trying to figure out how to really just focus on being one of the best wrestlers in the world. On the other hand, you do have Suwa, who's a very much a Japanese legend, who's just wanting to fight for a Ring of Honor title, and what better way just to call Brian out, and hopefully he listens, and he did. Um, this match in particular ended in pure Brian Danielson fashion, during some of his tougher matches as Ring of Honor champion or in the back half of his Ring of Honor uh, championship run due to him having the uh, shoulder injury that we all know about. Brian wins with a small package here and just hightails it out of the ring. Obviously, this wasn't the defense that Brian wanted for that night. Obviously, he had the defense later on in the night in Roderick Strong, so he wanted to get out there, out there unscathed and quickly out of there as best as possible. So Brian rolls out after the uh, schoolboy pin, and we get 
Brian celebrating his big victory here and Sua disappointed that he couldn't get this uh, big chance and opportunity for him. So what do we got now? But we got Doug Williams against uh, Jimmy Rave here. This is a good technical match. For those who haven't seen a Jimmy Rave match, you get to see just how good he is technically in this match. He can hang with a guy like Doug Williams. Sure, when you think about Ring of Honor, you think of Jimmy Rave's character work as the crown jewel of the embassy as one of the more heelish heels and the more character heel in this company. As we all know, he had that lengthy feud with AJ Styles in terms of him using the Rave Clash as his finisher. And then we also did have him have that feud in 2005, early 2005, with uh, CM Punk, and that ended in a very bloody and battered uh, cage match. Obviously, we'll be talking about those matches at length when we get to those shows. But Jimmy Rave was a very good character, and he played that persona of the crown jewel very well. And it it did help. It helped out a lot that you had a guy like Prince Nana hyping him up, hyping him as the crown jewel of the embassy, really pushing forward this, you know, he is somebody who has high level of class. He is upper echelon in terms of royalty. Listen, pay attention. This is how good he can be and should be. And when it came to the ring, you would see him cheat to win. You would see all that stuff. You know, good heel works the crowd, and he would work the crowd very well. But you also did see Jimmy Rave just really wrestle. And, I mean, this match, Doug Williams is a very good wrestler. So I don't expect anything less from Doug Williams. But you do see Jimmy Rave here just stand out and go hold for hold with a um, Doug Williams, which, I mean, if you can hang with Doug Williams, you can hang with anyone in the Ring of Honor ring. Obviously, Doug Williams was a little too much for uh, Jimmy Rave as a failed uh, attempt of interference by Princeton F fails, and Doug Williams gets the win here. But it was an impressive showing for Jimmy. Not really one of my favorite matches of Jimmy Rave's career, Obviously, that was more of the CM Punk feud. We did get a lot of fun matches out of that feud. And some of the matches that we did get out of the AJ feud were also worthwhile to watch as well. Um, But this was just a prime example of how good of a wrestler Jimmy could be. Um, And this really, you know, we miss him. Um, We're very, you know, happy to cover his matches when he gets those uh, opportunities and chances to showcase his skill. Um, And we'll continue to talk highly about him as we go through these episodes where he wrestles and he wrestles very well. Um, We get another promo from Brian who's getting stitched up and look over by a doctor promising that he will be ready and he will be ready to wrestle tonight for the Ring of Honor title once again against uh, Roderick Strong. Nothing's going to stop him from going into this match and showing Strong who's boss. We go on to our semi-main event here where the Briscoes, Jay and Mark, take on Davey Richards and Matt Seidel in a classic tag team match here. This was a very well done tag team match between the four competitors in this ring. This was my match of the night, honestly. I mean, not a surprise. I do like a good tag team match, but this was really one that stood out for me as something that, you know... When push comes to shove, you have the Briscoes working people who have different styles. Obviously, with Seidel, he's a nice flyer. 
But at the same time, too, you have Davy Richards, who's more of a technical, really getting his foot and groundwork together, really trying to learn and understand where he stands in the wrestling business at this time, as he was really just starting to come up here. And I really think you see the Briscoes make themselves known as one of the top tag teams here in Ring of Honor in this match. And there's no reason why everyone should be putting them on some sort of like lower tier. Sure, they had some struggles winning the tag gold the night before against uh, Generation Next of Austin Aries and Roderick Strong. But that shouldn't stop anyone remembering just how good they are and how good they can be. So this was a good match here. A lot of back and forth action. A lot of near falls here. I did really feel at one point we would see a huge upset with both uh, Richards and Seidel taking the uh, win here. But, I mean, at the same time, too, this is the Briscoes. Sure, they weren't in a war the night before, but they're ready, uh, dusted off and ready for the war um, at the night at hand here. So they're really working forward and really working back and forth. They are working a little bit more of the heelish team here. They are trying to get these young guys over a little bit more, and it's really showing here as the crowd was more pulling for um Seidel and Richards in this match and it was a very good back and forth encounter. I really loved what I saw from these uh, two teams. I really feel, you know, we see Matt Seidel really try to figure out his path. He was no longer within the group of uh, Generation Next. He was there briefly, not an official member, but he was associated with them. And really with Seidel, he was just trying to figure out where he fits and where his path lies in Ring of Honor. And I think right here you do get to see him showcase that a little bit. You get to see him really be the wrestler that he wants to be. He's more of the high flyer, speed, technical aspect comes into his career a little bit later. But he's really flashy with the moves that he does, and he does them well. So when he, you have that going for him, it's really much of nothing to worry about because you do got, you do have a lot here where... A lot of the Ring of Honor guys were just so fine-tuned with their work and stuff like that. Seeing someone a little bit sloppy, and a Jack Evans comes into mind with his moveset as well, it really didn't you know, come out of place. It just showed the rawness and the emotional aspect of wrestling itself um, with his moveset. And it was really a nice, refreshing change of pace. We did have a lot of ground-based mat wrestling on this card. I mean, you had some strong style in there sprinkled in there as well. But most of this card here was ground-based, so getting that change of pace. And the Briscoes don't mind flying as well, as we all know. So seeing them get up there and do their moves from the top rope was also very good. A very good back-and-forth match, but as we said, the Briscoes did take this a near half hour. So this match did get some time, and obviously we get to see a lot more from these four. Obviously we know the path that each of them take and their later careers, but this match just pointed out just how good they are once again you're listening to pure on countout podcast network make sure you tune into every sunday's live on twitch and twitter for ring post radio with ryan and scott as they give you the ins and outs of the previous week that was in wrestling so it's main event time here for anarchy in the uk as brian danielson defends the ring of honor championship the world championship for the second time tonight this time against Roderick Strong prior to the match and prior to Brian coming out we did see the other two times that Brian defeated Roderick Strong here um, and we get ready for them to make their third bout of 2006 
we get it right into the goings on and you know strong comes out quick trying to do what he can to take brian out as soon as possible obviously brian you know understands that this is gonna be the way the match goes understands that um roderick is trying to come out here guns a blazing and do whatever he can to fight so brian does whatever he can to slow it down really and just bring it back to the pace that works for him brian uh gets the advantage early on and uh Really, from there, it's a nice back and forth between the two, and we get to see a lots of highs and lows. I get excited for this match just because of, you know, Brian, you know, showcasing once again his technical prowess and really dictating and slowing down the match. Obviously, when you look at a guy like Roderick Strong, he's more built for the strikes, a little bit more strong style, doing a lot more, uh, like I said, strikes and a little bit more power move. Brian's just more of the scientific side of wrestling that a lot of people like myself enjoy. And we get to see that here, the two clash of styles and how Brian tries to work in his style a little bit more than Roderick can. Obviously, at the same time here, too, experience with Brian having the experience edge in this match, not only for Ring of Honor, but also in their careers turning points. This just really focuses on how good Brian understands his opponent and really can make the difference in changing the tune and also just changing the way everything comes out. I mean, Brian does a really good job here controlling and maintaining pace, really focusing on different parts of the body, areas where, you know, Roddy needs to, you know, hit his end of heartache backbreaker uh, finishing maneuver. Also, you know, Roderick's also very good with some of the um, submission holds as well, and we get to see some of that in there as well. But Brian just, again, like I said, Brian found another way to win here. This time he had a rough stoppage. And I feel as if, you know, Brian is coming to the point in this title reign where he feels untouchable. And it shows he came off a big win the night before against Nigel McGuinness. He had two big title defenses against Sua and Roderick Strong here at Anarchy in the UK. But Brian just is on this other level in this title reign and we can talk about the title reign and the different phases of this title reign of brian's in ring of honor obviously this is more of the cocky brian that everyone has been seeing now a little bit on aw um but this brian really was someone who couldn't be touched it was very hard for brian to go in a match where he felt like he was going to be in more than he can chew Obviously, you know, he had some opponents during this reign and mainly Samoa Joe that was just a thorn in his side. And we would see a trilogy uh, of matches in the early coming of 2006 and then another match at the end of 2006 that really proved that point home drastically and hard. Um, Another one really that focused on in their title reign, um, in his title reign, especially in 2006, was Colt Cabana. And we all know how he had those different matches against Colt. We all know that in his last match against Colt in the 60-minute draw, one of two for that weekend, Brian separated his shoulder and he was not the same or had to be a little bit more careful with what he did in the ring, at least to finish out the end of the year. A lot of people didn't want Brian to finish out 2006. Uh, I feel like Brian was more focused on finishing as much as he could. If there was any reason for him to stop, I think Brian wouldn't have or wouldn't have said anything, but this run of Brian's was probably 
one of the better runs in his career. I know we can talk about his time in WWE where he had the Yes Movement that put him on the pedestal in his run to WrestleMania, but there's nothing like this 2000, late 2005 to 2006, the entire year of 2006 run that he had in Ring of Honor. Um, he really proved himself to be one of the best, and he proved himself to be one of the people that you know Ring of Honor could count on. Where you know, prior to that, th- did they want to give him a chance? I'm sure they wanted to give him a chance. It just for some reason they didn't pull the trigger on him yet. And in 2003, he was in the UK a lot more, and there was a lot more traveling going on in Brian's career. But when he put that focus on Ring of Honor, and he decided to put that focus on you know right before he became champion. We really did see Brian just start more gravitating towards the style that we see him run a little bit now, um, being a little bit more cocky, you know, yelling at the ref that he has till five, doing all those small things that people enjoy and you know respect out of Brian uh, in his career now, and you know we see him still do that or bring it back, brought it back once again in AEW. The uh, he has till five, which I saw a little smirk from Paul Turner the first time he did that to him. Um, it's nice to see those two get reunited in the ring with one another. But obviously, you get to see a lot of different things out of Brian in this title reign. And you get to see Brian become a little bit more of a complete wrestler in terms of also character work as well. Is his talking there yet? No. And it took a little bit to get his talking going over in WWE. But once you know you put that past him and you get to see him do these matches like the one we saw against Roderick Strong and the... like. The countless others during this title reign that he had there's nothing this guy can't do and it's a really nice time for ring of honor to have a guy of brian's caliber running and holding their title so that's the end of anarchy in the uk it was another fantastic show up and down the card i really feel like this one just really brought home the point of what mid 2000s uh Ring of Honor and independent wrestling was about give me a good card with good wrestling matches on it and you'll get rewarded as a fan. I, I really feel as if Ring of Honor was uh, done a very good job of giving people what they wanted and that's what they wanted. They wanted a good wrestling card. If they wanted the uh, stories and everything like that, they would go and watch uh, WWE Raw or SmackDown. These fans didn't want to watch that. And, you know, as somebody who's coming more to the realization that they don't want to watch that either, this show was a refreshing pace of and re- reminding me why I don't like that t- style of wrestling. Would this hold up now? I think so. I mean, if you look at this card, this has a lot of good matches on here. And a lot of the styles that you see incorporated in today's wrestling was shown in this uh, show here. A lot of map based, a lot of high flying, a lot of technical just very good uh, wrestling all the way around. I mean, you look at it, there wasn't a bad wrestler on this card, and I mean, it was a really good card to begin with. This is Ring of Honor's first attempt at running a UK show, or shows for that matter, by themselves without really any true cross-promotion like they did with Frontiers of Honor back in 2003. We get to see later in that week that they were in the UK, Frontiers of Honor 2, um, where they take on the FWA and IPW UK roster and some interpromotional matches. This was just Ring of Honor. And this was them showcasing them. And honestly, the UK fans were in for a treat. They got to see some of their favorites, some of the people that they're used to seeing in the UK and, uh, scene at that time. But you got to see the stars that were tearing it up in the United States. That's something that, you know, nowadays Ring of Honor 
prior to the hiatus and everything would go there twice a year uh, and give them the same style of cards you know in, intermix current uh uk talent with the ring of honor roster see how they would fit in and that's how you got a mark haskins signed to ring of honor that's how you got a joe hendry signed to ring of honor in their later days just because of those tours so it's nice seeing you know the early comings of those tours and what they would bring for the future of the company and also for wrestling so i would recommend watching this show and i would recommend saying that this show would hold up um and this show would do well in a 2022 setting and would showcase what we all love about wrestling and honestly let's talk about this too what a great first tour of uk for the ring of honor roster and the whole team that went into there you know with a really big unknown how would the fans of the uk uh, wrestling scene react to american company come over there and really showcase their style of wrestling honestly they did a great job and one of the biggest things about it is even in defeat they showcase some of the top uk wrestlers and i'm talking about nigel mcginnis uh, we could talk about him you know as a whole episode in himself and we might get to that point where we want to talk about certain wrestlers and their time in ring of honor um which isn't actually a bad idea but you know when we're talking about making people look good even in defeat and we'll talk about this in full detail in unified um he looked good uh nigel mcginnis was a great wrestler for ring of honor it's a shame how his career ended um but he will re be remembered first time as you know ring of honor pure champion and ring of honor champion but back to the show at hand very good show really good showcase of what ring of honor can do and it brought more fans and brought new fans into the fold with this uk um little uh tour that they did now, you know, we've here at Pure have been excited to bring you some action throughout Ring of Honor, even to the point where, you know, rewatching some of these shows that I have has just brought back some so many memories, so many uh, proud moments that Ring of Honor brought us. So what we're going to do next week is we are going to take a look back at a certain person's career that did make an impact here in Ring of Honor. We're going to talk a little bit about CM Punk. Who will be in who inducted Dave Prezak into the Hall of Fame, the Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame, this uh, past weekend? So, we will be talking a little bit about CM Punk here next week. Really want to talk about one of the four pillars of Ring of Honor here. I, I think you know, you get to see what Ring of Honor is all about through the lens and through the eyes of CM Punk. Um, we will be talking about some of his views, we'll be talking about some of his top matches, we will be talking about his Ring of Honor title reign. And a little bit more. Um, join us next time on Pure. You can follow us on me on Twitter, Sean, that is, at Sean Taggart 531 You can give this podcast and every podcast you listen to on the Count Out Podcast Network feedback by giving those five-star reviews. Now also open at uh, Spotify, but also at whatever podcast provider you listen to. Um, but you can also listen to the, you know, family of shows here on Cattle Pod, uh, Cast Network at Cattle Pod with How to Talk to Your Friends About Wrestling. We have Your Dose of Death. We have Independent Waters. We also have uh, Ring Post Radio. So we do have a lot of things here on the Cattle Podcast Network that could be for you if you want to, you know, branch out and listen to a little bit more here. Once again, I am Sean Taggart. I would like to thank everyone for taking the time out and listening to this episode of Pure. We'll be back in two weeks, actually, I said next week. I was really excited to talk about this, but we will be back in two weeks with a career retrospective of CM Punk.
This has been a Countout Podcast.